Hey, this is your host, Kyle Gorman. And before we get started today, I just want to let you know that we had a little bit of a technical problem on today's show. At about 24 minutes in, you'll hear that the audio from our guest cut out, and we didn't know it until production. Uh, Unfortunately, she was in the middle of telling a great illustration uh, about a point that she was making, and so we didn't want to edit that out. So what she's talking about is a headline from the 60s that reads, Headless Body in Topless Bar. And it's such a great illustration to the point she's making. We didn't want you to miss out on it. So at 24 minutes, I'm going to jump in and let you know this is the part that got messed up. But again, a great illustration that she's making to the point that she's talking about, about this headline called Headless Body and Topless Bar. And we apologize for the technical error, but we didn't want you to miss out on the great information that she was sharing. So thank you so much for your patience. Thank you for being uh, listeners. And we really appreciate you joining us this week. Welcome to the Employer Blueprint Podcast where we help leaders build great teams for great companies with your host, entrepreneur and leadership coach, Kyle Gorman. It is a busy, busy world out there and not just our schedules and not just where we have to be and when we have to be there and all of the other things that we have to constantly be doing, but it's a busy world in our social media feeds and in our email and in, in the way that we're connecting with people. It's busy and it's noisy. So the question oftentimes comes from that. How do we get noticed? How do we get recognized? How do we make sure that people are, are seeing and hearing the great information and the content and the value that we have out there for them? On today's episode, we have Lorraine Ball, who is going to share with us um, seven uh, suggestions for how to form uh, a subject line, how to form a headline that would go along with your great content. But here's the one thing that I want to talk to you about before we dive into that is I want you to understand how important it is to have great content. Uh, We touch on this just briefly in the episode, but... It is so important that we have good value and good content. And the way that we have to do that is you've got to understand what do your customers want? What is going to be beneficial for them? What do they want to hear about? What do they want to know about? What are the challenges that they are facing? These are some of the questions that you need to ask yourself as you go to create the content that you're going to put out for people. And, and if you can answer these questions and you can do so adequately, then you can create some great content, some great value for your audience then use the techniques that you're going to hear about today to create a headline that actually draws their attention in to say, yes, I want to see this content. I want to know what this person's talking about. But I I really want to make sure to impress upon you how important it is to have good value and good content. Because if you put out junk content to people, but you hook them in, you're going to lose much more of an audience than you're ever going to be able to gain by having great content and a great hook. So think about what that value is. How are you adding value to the lives of the people that you have influence with? And how can you use that to benefit them for the future and benefit them for now? And then use the information that you're going to learn today to create that hook, to create that headline that's going to draw them in and make them want to learn more. Hope you enjoy today's episode. And as always, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at podcast at employerblueprint.com. Have an amazing day. 
Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us this week on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. Uh, we are so pleased to have with us Lorraine Ball out of Indianapolis, and uh, she's a marketing strategist and has some great information uh, for business leaders and business owners um, about what it really looks like to market ourselves and market our business and how we get recognized in such a busy, busy world full of noise. So, uh, Lorraine, thank you, first of all, so much for joining us. And uh, as we get kicked off here, why don't you walk us through uh, your history? history and experience. Tell us how you got to where you are now and and what you're up to. Awesome. Well, first of all, Kyle, thank you so much for the invitation. It's so nice to hang out with you for a little bit of time today. And I'm going to give you the short version because I'm old and I've been doing this a long (laughs) time. But, you know, the short answer is I spent about 20 years in corporate marketing roles and spent a lot of time working in organizations, either marketing the companies themselves, or I was a carrier corporation for a long time and I was working in their dealer development. Mm -hmm. So I was developing programs for the small businesses, the Joe's heating and air on every corner across America, and learned a lot about small business marketing, even though I was in more of a corporate role. Mm -hmm. And then um, 17 years ago, I got tired of the bad coffee, the bureaucracy, and the glass ceilings. Mm-hmm. And of course, I thought I could do it better anyway. And yeah. I went out on my own, started a company called Roundpeg, and have been here ever since. And mm-hmm. as I tell my friends and family, I'm kind of unemployable. I couldn't ever go back because I'm too <laughs> used to doing things my own way. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, and uh, today, Roundpeg, we are a digital agency. We started out as a traditional marketing company, and the world changed, and we changed with it. That's that's great. And, and you know, there's a lot to be said for that, Lorraine, because I know there are a lot of companies that have really struggled to make that shift. Um, and uh, and again, I, and I don't I don't want to I don't want this to come across as uh, as a negative statement by any means because I certainly don't mean it that way. But just as you mentioned, you've been in this industry a long time, and it becomes even more challenging because um, when you think about marketing as it is today in 2019 compared to what it was even just in 2009. We are in a different world than what we were before, and um, and and especially knowing that those what I'm going to call traditional marketing uh, platforms are still out there. But to really be able to shift, that's that's a big thing, and, and that's not something to be overlooked. Um, so, one, good for you for doing that. But but let me ask you this from a from a strategy perspective and from a vision perspective. How did you start to recognize that you needed to um, move with this tide as opposed to say, you know, hey, what we know we're really good in this other space and we're going to stick to that space? Well, I think that we made that transition based on what I call good marketing. Mm-hmm. And to me, good marketing is all about your customers. Yes. And if you start with this is my customer and this is what my customer needs and wants it's easier to follow the paths that technology or trends take you. Mm -hmm. The funny thing is that although the tools have changed, the core of marketing, what makes good marketing Mm -hmm. strategy and a consistent approach, those things are the same as they were when I started my career 40 years ago. The things that have changed are, okay, well, I'm not using postcards and television anymore or newspaper ads. I'm using Facebook and websites. 
but I'm still keeping that conversation focused on my customers and my customers' customers. Yeah. And that right there is so key. And I love that you said that because um, in the service world and especially in these types of business, I mean, all of us, we love to talk about our business and we love what we do. And um, whenever we are in a business that's so focused on uh, the value that we're bringing to others, sometimes it's sometimes it's a little bit difficult to really pay attention to what do they want as opposed to saying, well, I'm really good at this. Let me tell you how we can do this better. Um, so good for you for recognizing them. I and I just, I really, I'm very impressed by the companies that, that have been able to make this transition because what we generally see in the marketing space is just the opposite. You have companies that were really good at that. And then you have a lot of new companies in the last five to seven years that are now really good in the digital space. So to make that transition, I think is just a, um, very, really speaks volumes to your vision of that. Well, it, that or my willingness to be on the bleeding edge and yes. suffer yeah. the slings and arrows <laughs> of, of experimentation. Yeah. yeah, that's that's very true too. And I'm sure especially in those early days as that transition was happening um, because it's all new and you've got you've got to learn it and you've got to figure it out and um, but but it's really good. I'm, I'm, it's so impressive to see that shift. Thank you. One of the things also that I know is a, a big piece for you, um, you know, and even, even right there on your website, whenever you kind of talk about what we do, one of the things that I find interesting is right in the forefront, very first thing is building a strategy. And I, I think for a lot of, um, especially business owners, speaking directly to those people that own a small business of some kind, um, we oftentimes forget the strategy and we just start thinking about what the end result is. And even as we start working our way back, we forget to go all the way back to building a strategy to do it. So um, tell me about why that's so important and what are maybe some just basic steps that people can put in place to make sure that they're developing the proper strategy for their marketing plans, as opposed to just, we know what the end result is. And so we're going to throw out a Facebook campaign. Absolutely. Well, I think, uh, the parallel I'm going to make is, let's say you're in Boston and you decide you want to get to Southern California. Mm-hmm. Southern California, that's your destination. But if you don't get, well, in the old days of roadmap, these days a good set of Google directions, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. just sort of drive in the general direction of the sun, right. you know, you follow the sun, well, you may get there or you may not. You may, you may get completely lost and end up in the Atlantic Ocean. You may eventually get there, but you're going to get there late. And so kind of approaching a road trip without a map is like approaching marketing without a strategy. Mm-hmm. You want more fans on Facebook, but the question is, why? What is it you're really trying to accomplish? What do you do before? What do you do after? So right. to me... Having a strategy that looks at, these are my customers, and it always starts with your customer. And this is actually one of the hardest things, I think, for businesses to do is get comfortable with the idea that everyone is not your customer. Mm. And define that strategy around, this is my customer. These are their pain points. This is what makes me uniquely qualified. To address the pain. And the only way that you can do that is to spend a little time looking at your competitors mm-hmm. and carving out that position. What do you do differently? Right. Because until you understand that, you got you don't really have that, 
you think you're great at this, but you know what? Every say it differently. I can't think of any one of my competitors that's going to get out there and say, you know what? We build crappy websites and mediocre social media strategies. That's right. So what is it that makes us different? And the strategy, the, the personal interaction, you find those things that help you solve your customers' problems in a way that no one else can. Mm-hmm. And then you can start laying in a strategy. I want to talk to these kind of businesses. Mm-hmm. Well, they hang out in these kind of places. Right. These are their pain points. Now you can begin to start mapping out Facebook makes sense for this project. We need to be on LinkedIn here or this particular customer they need to be on Instagram because they're targeting that 35 and un- under consumer and they have a very visual brand. Mm-hmm. And then the last piece of it is really the metrics on the back end mm-hmm. and stepping back and going, okay, how much did we spend and what did we get? And you never want to look at the end of a program and say, oh, we only got five leads. You want to go into that program going, success is 10 leads, three leads, 20 leads, and then measure how close you came to your goal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, that right there, I think is critical. And I really like that. I know I've, I've made that mistake myself. Um, you know, when you, you say, well, I've got this idea for an ad campaign or I've got this idea for a marketing plan. Um, and so we're just going to put it out there, but we don't really determine what success looks like. Mm-hmm. And so to your point, you know, you get done with it and you say, oh, well, we got five and it cost me this much. So was it worth it or not? As opposed to going into it from day one saying, this is what our budget and this is the metric. This is the, mm-hmm. the line we're going to use to know. Yeah, this is the passing Yeah, yeah. That's really good. Um, one thing, one other thing that I, I want to dive into, because I think it's so relevant today, and we're seeing more and more of a shift towards this, and that's uh, maybe a bit of a buzzword, but the idea of content marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, you know, what we've really seen, at least what I notice, and I really try to pay attention to the, the marketing industry just to kind of see what's happening and what's going on. And when digital marketing really started making its, its initial lift, um, it, was all, it was all traditional advertising, but in a digital format. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. How we do it, why we do it, all that kind of stuff. Well, now we've really seen this huge shift over maybe, I mean, you tell me maybe the last two years-ish. Um, maybe, a li- maybe a little bit longer, but I think it's, it's, you know, the trend comes and the people that are living and breathing it notice yeah. it. And then everybody else. And everybody else and kind I of picks it, on. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think broadly up. accepted the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we've really seen the, this kind of bubble of, um, of content marketing of saying, hey, instead of me just telling you how great we are and what, we're going to give you information. We're going to provide you value by providing mm-hmm. value. And, um, and we talk about that a lot, just providing value all the time. So, so how has this shift taken place? But more importantly, I guess, you know, for the audience out there, what does it mean to provide uh, a good content marketing strategy? And how do we do that in a way that actually resonates with our audience? So the fundamental at the core of a good uh, content marketing strategy is the idea that people look for information before they look for suppliers. Mm. And so your content needs to answer the questions that your customers are likely to have 
both in the buying process and also, if you're really smart, in what I call related deals. Because people may only buy uh, good examples. People may only buy carpeting or flooring once every X number of years. Mm -hmm. But they're always interested in home trends. And so we do work for a carpet company and we write articles about the Pantone color of the year and how to incorporate that color Mm -hmm. into your home. And so people follow us because there's always a good decorating tip. (laughs) And then when they're ready to buy, they're like, you know, I always see such great ideas from Tish. I'm going to call them. Yeah. And that's really at the core of your strategy is answering questions about that your customers have. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of what content really is, I think people used to define it very narrowly. They were thinking it was a blog post. Yeah. And where the shift for blog posts really started to happen was when Google changed their rules. Mm. Um, Back in the day, Google um, search priority was given to companies that had lots of links to each other. You remember that? You'd get to a web page and there'd be a ton of links. And then there was a moment um, and there was a lot of black hat techniques going on where people were doing sort of questionable things to get those cross links. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is we never played there. We always felt like if we answered customers' questions that we might not get the SEO benefit, but when somebody came to the website, they would really get what they wanted. Right. Well, about two and a half years ago, Google sided with us. Yeah. And they said, you know, we're tired of all these crappy links. Yeah. We want websites that have good content. Yeah. And yeah. so that was a huge shift for the industry. So that's where you're saying, you know, hey, this yeah. really became a thing. Yeah. Um, blog posts are now minimum 600 words. If you are putting out a blog post, it's less than 600 words. I don't want to say that you're wasting your time, but you're not going to get the SEO value. Hmm. But then the next phase of this is content is more than blog posts. Right. People process information visually and images and photographs. And we saw this particularly on the um, as you started seeing more images in social media, you know, Twitter went from a text only timeline to GIFs and photos and videos. Mm-hmm. Um, videos are an important part of your um, content strategy, as are exactly what we're doing now podcasts. Mm-hmm. And we've definitely seen a rise here. So, as you're looking at your content strategy, the trick is. What questions do I need to answer? And then go back to your customer and go, how are they most likely to receive that information? And then creating content in a format that they'll pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really good. And I, I'm a firm believer in the content marketing um, strategy in the content marketing space. I think there's, uh, to your point, it's, it's, it's definitely a long-term strategy. It's not a quick sell, um, but it's much more relationship driven because you're, you're developing something there. You're developing some trust, you're developing a relationship. And the other thing that I love about it is that you're providing, um, 
you know, it's providing value, it's providing information, it's sharing knowledge, and it's establishing yourself uh, as the the expert in your industry or, or in your subject matter. And um, I think that there's just there's a lot of value just in doing that and helping people know that we are here to help you. We're here to share information. Um, and at the end of the day, after doing that, if you want us to be, you know, if there's a way we can do business together, great. Let's do business together. And I, I like that. Absolutely. I, you know, I think you absolutely captured the real essence of content marketing, that idea that you give people a chance to get to know you yeah, and yeah. trust you. And then they will consider opening their wallets. Right, right. Well, uh, so the next question I have in this is, um, you know, obviously a lot of what we do in in the the marketing space. So as as business owners or even as you know business leaders of some kind, um, we're we're sending a lot of information out. We're pushing information a lot. Now we've I think we've gone through a bit of a shift where we we are becoming much more of a pool communication uh, society where like when I want it I'm going to go out and get it. But we can't stop pushing information. I mean, that's, that has to be part of our plan. So when we are pushing this information out, whether it be, um, you know, through email or that we're doing advertisements or we're doing ad campaigns or whatever it is, it's, it is a noisy world. Um, you know, we're getting, you know, if I take a day off, I can expect a hundred emails, you know, whenever I get back the next day. Um, so it is a noisy world. There's a lot going on. And when we get this email from someone that we aren't expecting it, or we see something in our feed as we're scrolling through that we aren't expecting, there's got to be a way to attract people's attention early on. There's got to be something to say, um, to kind of grab that attention to say, this is one I may want to look at. So what recommendations do you have on that? How do we how do we be heard in a busy world? So several things, and, and I've got a whole list of suggestions and ideas, but I want to start with this concept of now, later, and never. Mm. Every day when we look at our inbox, when we look at our social media feed, consciously or unconsciously, we are doing a mental information triage. Mm-hmm. We are making decisions in a second I'm going to look at that now. I'll look at that later. I am never going to look at that. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to, I immediately, yeah, not going to open that email. The problem is that if you're in a situation where you're constantly getting a lot of information and a lot of our audiences like that, Mm -hmm. if you can't spark that now instinct, Mm -hmm. later becomes never because it's buried under that sea. And so, Everything that you create has to be designed to get people to open now. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, some of the things that we suggest to clients is to go back to their their creative writing, their their 11th grade English class, (laughs) and try some of the techniques that we learned, you know, back in school. So I'm going to give you like some quick ideas and I'm going to give you a sample of each one to just kind of get you thinking about how you might use it. If that's okay. No, that's great. That is wonderful. Yes. So the first one is, and this is my favorite, um, is to write headlines that have a hint of mystery. Mm. You want to have something that, that makes somebody go, what? And my favorite example of this is it was, um, a 1964, 65 headline in the New York Post. This is the area of the show that I told you about before we got started. 
where she's referring to the headline that reads, Headless Body and Topless Bar. So continue to listen, and we apologize for the technical difficulty. And people just kind of went, what? I mean, it was so unexpected. And I, I heard an interview with the writer because it's one of the most famous headlines if you kind of follow this. And yeah. it, it works because it's it's shocking. It's mystery. Right. It's, it's what you don't expect. Huh. Um, the Another kind of simple tip is, is again, it's shock and surprise. It's um, saying things that people don't expect you to do. Something as simple as a headline that says, don't open this email. Hmm. And, and, and your readers are like, what do you mean, don't open the email? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> when you're um, kind of some of the English tactics, there's something called an onomatopoeia. Mm-hmm. And that is a word that has a sound associated with it. Boom, snap, crackle. And so... When we read the word, we hear the sound. So a headline that is, cha-ching, savings ahead. Mm -hmm. You hear that cash register ring instinctively, and it it kind of encourages you to kind of open it. So Mm -hmm. onomatopoeia, looking for ways to do that. Um, Another technique is something called the illusion. And... It's also called a cultural reference. And this works really well as long as you have a common language with your audience. Okay. So, in other words, they have to get the the reference. Mm -hmm. So, back in the 70s, Wendy's ran a series of television commercials with this wonderful little old lady, Clara Peller. Mm -hmm. And you're nodding. You, you, You remember the ad. And she'd get to the drive-up window and they'd give her the hamburger and she'd open up this giant bun and there's a speck of beef and she would cackle in this very distinctive voice, where's the beef? Mm -hmm. Well, that phrase, where's the beef, became synonymous with where's the substance? Mm -hmm. And so for years, you could use a subject line that said, where's the beef or here's the beef. Mm -hmm. And people knew that that what was included was was real substance. Yeah. Well, now you have a generation of people who maybe don't remember Clara Peller. Mm -hmm. So the headline is okay, but it's not nearly as effective. So, you know, following other kind of cultural memes, things that people are saying um, and kind of tying into what's hot and cultural, you have to have one ear to what's happening and then make sure that you're using it in an appropriate and relevant way. Right. Right. Hmm. Um, Another one, and this is um, the writer in me and um, it's the alliteration. And when you do an alliteration subject line, Mm -hmm. every word starts with the same letter. So, we do this a lot for, we, we work with a company called Randall Beans. They make beans in glass jars. We have an email campaign that always has recipes. Mm-hmm. So we'll do savory seasonal soups, wonderful winter warmers. And that rhythm, as people read that, yeah. it's, it has that nice flow. And again, they're sort of flowing and then they're like, okay, well, what comes next? And they're looking mm-hmm. for that next word. 
and you get a higher open rate when you when you use that technique. Mm-hmm. Um, something else that works really well is um, fear. Oh yeah, and, and this is a weird quirk in human behavior. You're sitting on the couch and I offer you a small piece of candy. You may or may not get off the couch. You want the candy, but yeah, I don't want to get off the couch. Mm-hmm. But you light a match under the couch and I'm getting off it. <laughs> and so people are more likely to take action to move away from something unpleasant than they are to move towards a reward. Yeah. It's a bigger reward. Right. So um, playing to their fears. Um, your competitors are already doing this. Mm-hmm. Everybody else already has one of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you know this mistake could be costing you hundreds of dollars every month? Mm-hmm. Those kind of playing into kind of the fears and the fear of loss get people's attention way more than here's five ways to save money. Improve right. your re- retirement account. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a, a weird, um, again, it's, it's understanding the psychology of your audience. And this is where knowing who your customer is becomes so important because the cultural references and the fear-based right. campaigns don't work. Right, right. That is so good. And, and um, that is great information. And like I say, you know, so many of us, um, whatever the situation may be, whether we're sending messages through uh, LinkedIn or through email or, or setting up ad campaigns online, um, that that is oftentimes a challenge because uh, many of us are are maybe a little too pragmatic sometimes mm-hmm. and just go straight to, uh, to your point, like, well, here's five steps to help you do this or... Here's some information I thought you might be interested in. So thank you for sharing these tips on how to make our message even more compelling to our audience. You're welcome. Can I share one more quick tip? Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay, so better than anything else, Mm -hmm. personalization. Oh, yeah. When I see my name, because I've got 100 emails stacked up, Mm -hmm. but one of them says, Lorraine, Here's what, whatever mm-hmm. I'm naturally, again, I'm playing on human nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is true in every language. One of the, the word that you respond to the most positively is mm-hmm. your own name. That's it right. just is. And so you see it again, that personalization. And even if you are sending out a thousand emails, mm-hmm. um, most of the email marketing tools today will allow you to personal add a personalization field and i'm telling you if you're not using it you're missing out yeah that is yeah that's a great bonus uh comment there because that's exactly right when we see our name you know our it's the sweetest sweetest word in the english language is our own name and um so when we see that and we read that there is so much more of a um uh, an inclination to open it and you know the other thing that i think happens with that when you see that in there is um you know, there's always that chance you did meet that person at some point and they remembered you and maybe you didn't, you know, and, and so those types of things can happen. And, um, and, and again, you know, I want to caution people. I don't want you to use these tips to overload and bombard people with useless information. So it's got to start with that strategy and you've got to make sure you're providing great 
quality content. But if you have those, this is that last step to say, I'm going to provide you something so valuable, I really don't want you to miss out on it. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I'm going to make sure to, um, to, to give you a good hook, give you a good headline to make sure that you're checking this out because I know you're going to appreciate it once you open it. And that's the key is making sure you've got great content once they open and don't just get a, a great subject line with terrible content. Well, and that's, you know, fulfilling the promise. You'll get away with it one time. Mm-hmm. You'll send me an email with a great subject line and crappy content, yeah. and you'll get away with it once. Yeah, that's right. But not again. Yeah, yeah. It's a good way to get the unsubscribe button at the bottom mm-hmm. of that email. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, Lorraine, this is some great information. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, Before we head out of here, share with us, how can we learn more about you and your agency and some of the things that you're doing? So, uh, obviously, the very first place to go is Mm rampeg.biz. That's our website, and you'll find links to all sorts of uh, our programs. Our links to our social profiles are on the bottom of the page. So, If you're a Facebook or a LinkedIn or a Twitter user, go to your favorite platform and and you'll see that. You'll find links to our podcast, uh, More Than a Few Words. Yes. And we are starting, and you, uh, and people definitely should be checking that out because they'll get to hear you on the other side of the microphone. That's right. That's right. And thank you so much for having me on. It was, that was a great time. And you've been in the podcast world for a long time as well. You've, you've got, uh, that's a, you've had some, some great shows out there. So I definitely recommend people check that out. Well, yeah. thank you very much. Yeah. And thank you so much for inviting me for a conversation about one of my favorite topics. Well, absolutely, Lorraine. Thanks for being a great guest. And uh, thank you for providing some some great content and great value to our audience. So hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, as always, if you have any questions, uh, either for myself or Lorraine, you can reach out to us at podcast at employerblueprint.com. Also, feel free to check out uh, her website, her business website, roundpeg.biz. And uh, you can make sure to you know connect with her and her team as well. So Lorraine, thank you so much. I really do appreciate your time today and I hope you have an amazing day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for joining us on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to receive the latest episodes. For more information on how Employer Blueprint can help build great teams in your business, visit EmployerBlueprint.com. Or to inquire about Kyle speaking at your next event, visit KyleGorman.com. And until next time, make it a great day.